Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our Bible study for February 6, 2021. We are broadcasting from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent. And our moderator this morning is Thomas from New York. Well, hello and welcome, everyone. So uh, we'll start out with our quote. With our master, life was not merely a sense of existence, but an accompanying sense of power that subdued matter and brought to light immortality, insomuch that the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as having authority and not as the scribes. Life, as defined by Jesus, had no beginning. It was not the result of organization or infused into matter. It was spirit. So this is from Foundation Stones in Retrospection and Introspection. Thank you. Any thoughts on that? Well, I like that, what it says about life is not merely a sense of existence. Because before coming here, it just did just seem as though I was existing, and that was it. So (laughs) to learn that there's more than that has been wonderful. Yeah, and it's an accompanying sense of power. What What is it accompanying? Spirit. Yeah, it's accompanying God. We are in the company of God, which is spirit. And if we recognize that, we also will speak as having authority. (laughs) God is the Christ. And it's the... It's not a it's the truth. Well, after studying or um, <clears throat> getting ready for today, I the the authority, the reason that they saw or felt the authority behind his word oh. as opposed to the Pharisees and all that they it was um he was just a, a absolute channel for spirit. There was no obstruction like pride or ego or all the things that came up when the Pharisees or the scribes spoke. He was free of all that. And so the spirit just came forth without any anything to stop that. And so that's why the, he spoke with such authority and which is why the scribes and Pharisees hated him so much. Yeah, and and from where did he get the authority? God. <laughs> Only God. And, and where does any of us get our authority to do anything? From God. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you think you hear so much in this world about people that willfully put forth their ideas and preferences and willfully try to be authoritative, and it almost always ends up in something bad happening but here is Jesus showing us the way 
in the city spoke with authority. People obviously felt something, felt the power through him. Some liked it, some felt offended by it. But it just goes to show, you know, what side are we on? If we're, like I said before, willfully trying to put forth our side, or are we just committed to our Heavenly Father, God, and trusting that, you know, He is the good. He is the source of all good. And we want to be in compliant with that. But I read it can't be contradicted or resisted. That authority. Yeah. Well, one of the reasons I, I included this quote is that uh, our subject this week is spirit. And at the end of this, that was interesting. I mean, it's a long sentence, as Mary Baker Eddy tends to write. But if you just pull out the, uh, the beginning and the end of it, and it tells us that spirit is life. And I thought that was kind of an, a good theme for our discussion today. Mm -hmm. I'm just uh, a thought. Does does anybody feel that this has anything to do with the estoppel clauses in the manual? Yeah, because it was with with the authority of God that they were written. And um, they just did anything that would, or anybody that would have any pride, again, wouldn't, it would um, upset those in charge uh, or thought they were in charge of, um, of not being obedient. And I mean, that's... And who yeah. Who authorizes teachers or practitioners gotcha. or lecturers? Well, it should be God. And isn't that the point of the estoppel clauses? A human organization is incapable of authorizing God's representative. Well, um, this seems coincidental to me because I didn't tie in the Bible study this week with the book I'm reading, but uh, it does seem more coincidental. Is uh, I'm reading a book about Christian science in East Germany, and at one point they had to fill out a questionnaire and um, there was discussion and, and submitted to the authorities in East Germany. Um, for those who are not aware, I'm sure most people are, but just in case, I mean, East Germany was separated from West Germany, and uh, you know the uh, the communists controlled that for several decades. But um, so when they submitted that back at the Mother Church, they were uh, uh, very unhappy because they had not reviewed the responses to the questions. They felt it was up to them to have the authority to review those responses that were submitted to the East German authorities. And then later, um, they had a special um, position for someone in, in Berlin who worked with the Christian scientists in East Germany, 
And um, they decided at one point that, well, they don't really need this position anymore. So they told him that uh, um, he was no longer in that role. Um, and then and then they said, oh, but now what do we do? Because they had known to take over his work, um, which really looks to me like they really don't know what they're doing. Um, That's why we can only look to God for our authority for anything. And, and it is that sort of control that we get into later that quenches the spirit. Um, so, yes, I, I also read, I think it was one of the Richard Oaks books where the organization, they were, the BOD wasn't, was not happy with Frances Thurber Seal. And, of course, she did wonderful healing work in Germany. Um, any of you have read that little book, Christian Science in Germany? It's just wonderful. So it seemed like, and all of that is it's the human mind. It's a human mind where the spirit arises. The human mind just loves to quench it for some reason. That's just what it does. It's the nature of the beast. That's also what happened in Plainfield. When they were doing wonderful healing work, the um, Boston wasn't happy with that. <laughs> Thank you. That's right. That's right. Exactly right. But spirit is God, and it and it has all the power. And if we recognize that and stick with it, we experience it. If we don't, well, we fulfill our human destiny instead of our divine destiny. And it's why it's so important right now, I say, stay in the ark. Stay in that state of spiritual being. It's the only sure protection and safety through these troubled waters that we're going through now. So... And the lesson is beautiful, and in science and health particularly, about your spiritual, your spiritual sense, your spirituality. Man is not material, he is spiritual. From the scientific statement of being, it's over and over again. And that's, that's where we remain in that right sense. And where that is, there is liberty, can't be taken from you, and peace and joy employment, every rightful thing, but stay there. Don't come out. And those that you, uh, of you that are, are experiencing those things. Thank God. Are we ready to move on? Yes, we could do that. So, uh, actually, as you mentioned, our topic is where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So, uh, again, I must say, I'm reading this book about uh, Christian science in East Germany. And uh, um, I'm reading this after I picked the topic, and I'm thinking, oh, this is pretty wonderful because uh, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And that's kind of what their struggle was in East Germany. Uh, and so, 
anyway, so maybe we'll get some uh, thoughts about what you do when uh, it doesn't seem like there's liberty, like the uh, Christian Zionists in East Germany. Um, so on the first question, there are really two parts um, to this, and we can go in different sequences on it, but maybe we'll just start with the definitions. Um, and one reason I put this in here, I, I sometimes don't know how much is this done in Christian science, but I know traditionally Christian scientists, to really sort of understand the meaning of something, will look up the definitions of a word um, and study that to kind of understand what, what uh, um, spiritual insights they get from the, what they're reading. So it's a good uh, method to go through. Um, and there are different ways to do it, and no one has to do it, but I thought we would just hit like three different areas to give people ideas. Um, so I think this would be kind of interesting if uh, we have some volunteers. You could pick any one of these that you want, A, B, or C. Um, but maybe we start with A, and if someone uh, – I can do this if uh, no one does, doesn't have this handy, but like um, what is – the definition of benumi, just in Strong's Greek. And, and to put this in context, your question is, what does quench not the spirit mean, right? Correct. <laughs> well, the first, uh, I don't know how you pronounced it, um, sabun, sabunumi. Anyway, in Strong's, it says extinguish, quench, to go out, metaphorically to suppress or to stifle. So that's, that's what quench means, is to stifle whatever would stifle or extinguish the spirit, um, the spirit of God. Um, and then... <laughs> the other word. Numa. 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 Okay. Yes. Uh, means wind, spirit, original word, breath, Holy Spirit. I that I that word also breath, the breath of the Almighty. That's the breath of the Almighty. But anyway, those are the two words. I mean, and also because of you did this, Thomas. I also. I didn't know I could do this on the Bible Hub. I mean, I have a strong concordance, but I didn't realize I could do this on Bible Hub, so I appreciate all that I'm learning through these Bible studies. But. Oh, great. Can you explain how you did that in Bible Hub? <laughs> yes. Um, there is... I'm not looking at it right now, so I'll try it. But on the website, um, you, you see... Um, you can put language, choose language, and then it brings up the all these different, you know, Strong's was one lexical. I wish I was looking at it right now, Thomas. It'd be easier if I was looking at it. But well, um, uh, I went to okay. language. That's where I went. And then it showed. It said Greek and Hebrew. But I, since you mentioned Greek, I went Greek. And then it's Strong's, and it just came up. And I never, I never saw that before. Um, I also didn't know how to get to commentaries. And that was a while ago, but um, now that all the commentaries are all, it's a, it's a wonderful, if nobody is familiar with it, I strongly suggest that you go to it and 
um, and you know, experiment with it or play around with it. It's wonderful. The website. Well, thank you. So, I, so yeah. in in summary, what 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 you can do is you type in the actual verse that you want to look up. So, in this case, it'd be First Thessalonians five, uh, verse nineteen. That is going to pop up that verse in Bible Hub, and then at the top, you're going to see this row. It's like third row down in a way. I don't know how to describe that, but it's got all these headings, parallel sermons, topical, strongs, comment, interland, Greek, lexicon, lexicon, and multi. So if you go to lexicon, that's where you can then um, look up the uh, strongs uh, definitions. Okay, that's one way. I mean, there's there's multiple ways to do this, being searching through Google, but um, just want to make that easy yeah. for people. So if you're reading something in the lesson and you're saying, oh, I kind of want, want to dig into this word, this is one thing you could do. Now, another thing you could do, and this is also, and, and thank you for that, uh, um, for for going through the definitions of those two words. So um, another way to do it is you can look up in the Webster's 1828, which is listed in our links on our website. Um, would someone like to take those words on? Well, the, the definition for quench was very similar to what was just read from the Greek. Um, it says to extinguish, to still, to quiet, to repress as to quench a passion or emotion, to destroy, to check, to stifle. And what's fascinating about the definition once you get through all those different <laughs> definitions in Webster's 1828, which is kind of the reason why we looked at uh, Webster's 1828. You list a Bible reference which is 1 Thessalonians 5, um, verse 19. That's what makes this dictionary very special. Yeah. You can also get it as an app. I've downloaded it as an app on my phone if you have a smartphone. The yeah. 828 dictionary. But yes. And you see today now the dictionaries don't give these biblical definitions do they they're, they're no longer there and this was the dictionary Mrs. Eddy used 1828 it's a sad oh, sign do you want to continue oh sorry so that just it's a sad sign of the times that they no longer do that go ahead uh if you'd like to continue with spirit now you don't need, need to read the whole thing but maybe there's um one or two of these definitions that uh, interest you. Um, There's some really great here, actually. In Webster's for Spirit. One of them says, the soul of man. And uh, so glad to read that because it's a, it's a spiritual definition. There's another definition that says, an immaterial, intelligent substance. And we know that this is very consistent with what we've been taught in Christian science. And another definition of spirit says, an immaterial, intelligent being. So, 
gives a very reverent sense for spirit that we understand as God. Further down the list, it says essential qualities. <laughs> When I didn't well, there's, uh, didn't now, but the, um, almost down at the bottom of the list, it says the renewed nature of man. Yeah. Now that's fabulous. There's so much here. Um, also, similar along the lines of what you said is uh, one of the definitions says a person of activity, a man of life, vigor, or enterprise. Um, so we're active people doing good things. We have life. That is one of the basic connotations of the word spirit, isn't it? Lively. Yes. Spirited, lively, alive. About our father's business. <clears throat> yeah, and when you work with the synonyms, you claim those qualities for yourself and for everyone the world in general that's why it's they're so powerful the synonyms of god when you're feeling not so active or spirited turn to this i'll break any lethargy i love that um that reference to First Thessalonians 5.19 and I went and look, read the whole chapter um, and verses 1 through 28 is such a good counsel from Paul to all the children of light. It's something that I'm really going over. I also like the definition of spirit where it says something eminently pure and refined. Yes. Also perception, you know, our senses, is our spiritual, our sight is spiritual perception. So what does it mean to quench the spirit? Quench not the spirit. <laughs> Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. stifle to put to to put all this out, you know, to to extinguish or to to uh, yeah, some not let it. It's already there. We're putting it out or we're not stirring it up. We're not um, holding these up, uppermost in our thought. We're um, allowing the material sense of things to come in and cycle. <laughs> That's the word. There. Thank you. Yes. Um, um, one of the commentaries so, and in another word of enthusiasm for spirit, and it was in Quint, and I, I thought, well, 
don't quench your enthusiasm for the things of God, and don't quench the enthusiasm of anybody else either. Yeah, I was thinking, uh, don't rain on God's parade by being negative or willful or any of those other ugly traits. So one way I looked at it was um, if you're going to quench the spirit, you're, uh, you know, being uh, uh, opposition to God or rejecting God. And you don't want to oppose God or reject God, so you want to quench that. The spirit is life. So let's not extinguish our life. Which is from God. Which is God. And can can God be quenched? No, no. Um, so we're not talking about quenching God. We're talking about our relationship with God. We're talking about what is in our own consciousness, aren't we? And how do we and how do we hear God? How do we know God? Spiritual sense. We have a, yes, we have a spiritual sense that connects us that, that that cannot be disconnected. However, we can disobey it, can't we? We can't we, we can try to override it with material sense, human will as has been said. So we're never going to quench God, but we can harm ourselves by disobeying God. And this this is the falling away that the Bible speaks about, um, and it comes in, in small degrees. Sometimes you don't even realize you're doing it, but when that still small voice is speaking to you and you don't listen to it, you're quenching the spirit. And um, so be very mindful and, and obey it. And it's very easy to do because if you, if you do go along with your material senses, I mean, to all material sense, you seem to be sick. Okay. But what does God say about that? That no, that's not the truth. And, and you are not material. You are spiritual. And health is not in matter. Health is in God. And so you have to trust the, the spiritual senses and override what those material senses are screaming at you, so to speak. I mean, that's one example of it. The material senses are always telling you the opposite of what is true. And that's where you have to stick with your spiritual sense. And then, again, we're going to get into this, too, but walk by faith, not by sight. That's what that means. Trust your spiritual sense. Trust it. Not, or, the, not, not the material appearance. Or maybe you've been invited to do something, and something in, in you says, no, no, don't, don't do that. But you have no logical reason not to. It would seem like the logical thing to do it. But you go with that spiritual sense and don't do it. And maybe later you'll find out why it wouldn't have been a good idea. Maybe you won't, but maybe you will. But you 
cultivate your spiritual sense in those ways. Matthew Henry says about this that Christians are said to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. A fire is put out by withdrawing fuel. A fire is quenched by pouring water or dirt on it. Put out the spirit by indulging in carnal lusts and minding only earthly things. So that's a big way to do it, where you're just so absorbed in the materiality of the world and, and lust, carnal desires, and all of that. That's a great way to put the spirit out. And then, to human sense, you seem to be lost until you cultivate that fire again. And then I thought this was kind of beautiful with this Gill commentary. It says, the graces of spirits spirit are compared to light and fire. <clears throat> and then he mentions some of the graces of spirit. Love, which gives a vehement flame, which many waters may not quench. Something from the Bible. Faith, which is the light of the soul, evidence of things not seen. Zeal, boiling up of love and the effervescency of it. Spiritual knowledge, light, and of, of an, an increasing nature. And then, yes, they can never be totally extinguished, but they can be greatly dampened. And then it says the light of faith becomes dim. The flame of love is abated and grows cold. Zeal may pass into lukewarmness and indifference of spirit. The light of knowledge may seem to decline instead of increase. And it's all by indulging in some type of sin. But the gifts of the spirit must be stirred up as coals of a fire and stirred so that they give off both fire and heat and burn brighter. One of our watching points is about that, too. Never let your fire grow dim or go out. <clears throat> Keep it stirred up. And when you find your enthusiasm for the things of God waning, that's when you have to stir yourself up. Oh, I don't think I'll read my lesson today. Or, oh, I don't feel like doing this. Or, I don't want to give a testimony. There's really nothing I'm grateful for. <clears throat> it goes on and on and on. If you give it an inch. And then you're drifting out, you're drifting away, and you've got to rouse yourself. And sometimes a rebuke, sometimes a practitioner or a friend will rebuke you to wake you up out of that lethargy. And that's quenching the spirit, which we are not to do. But if you fight that false believe that false false the devil talking to you if you fight it and overcome it and do what you should for your own good you will have the accompanying sense of power that jesus had you will speak with authority because you will be obeying what god tells you everything will be falling into place it doesn't mean there won't be opposition. Of course, there will be opposition because the devil does not like to see its own death, which is what life, tr life, truth, and love are. They are a law of annihilation to everything unlike themselves. And if I don't quench the spirit, if I do obey 
life, truth, and love, wonderful things are happening. <laughs> and, and, and to do that, you actually have the authority of Christ. God gives you that authority to rebuke. This is rebuking animal magnetism. And this is how you grow when you do it. And you don't listen to all those negative voices that are pulling you out from your love of God. When you don't listen to them, you, you get that authority and it grows in you. And you also learn what it means to handle animal magnetism. That used to be such a mystery to me. Well, it's just kicking out, booting out, and destroying all the naysayer thoughts that would try to overtake you from being a true worshiper, a true disciple of Christ. Is this the dominion then? This is the dominion. This is the dominion. God and gives that, man dominion yeah. over all things. And that authority doesn't come from an organization. It doesn't come from another person. It doesn't come from a school. It doesn't come from a degree. What does Mrs. Eddy say? It is the... Uh, the reality of all things brought to light. Thank you, Bruce. <laughs> and she said the only priest is a spiritualized man. Thank you. Yep. And that's what you are when you are in <laughs> obedience to God. Mm -hmm. And this is all the outcome of the action of the spirit. You know, I love these words, pneuma, which literally means air or wind, but it's used as a metaphor for something that you can't see with your eyes or feel with your ear, touch, hear with your ears, sort of that sort of thing. And yet it's the thing that has all the power in the world for good spirit. And another talking about quenching the spirit, I feel like I have to say this there. There's a common trend in society to be critical of those who have faith in something that you can't see with your eyes or hear with your ears. This would be an attempt to quench the spirit. That God has moved us to have confidence in him, to trust him, to love him. We're talking about something you can't see with your eyes again. Then who are, is somebody else to be critical of that? Thank you. That's very important right now, too, because that is trying to to quench, to stop the voice of, of truth, of truth, of Christianity. And you see, they certainly did that to Mrs. Eddy in every way they could, even when she was here with the next friend suit and, and, and they following. All you have to do is look it up on the Internet. But it can't be done. And we keep being that mouthpiece and that example because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So as when you are expressing the spirit of God, you are keeping our liberty intact. That's mm -hmm. why everyone is a, is a, you're the salt of the earth. What the light of the world, mm -hmm. all those things we have to do it by doing that. You're keeping the light shining where the light shines. The darkness cannot come. doesn't matter how it might roar and rage and carry on. Um, it gets, it gets near the light. And it goes. Can't do it. Impossible. Remember that. It's your great safety. Keep your light shining and don't let the fire go out or get dim or cold. And this thing about liberty, we have the we have God given liberty to voice the truth. We do not have the liberty to voice error or lies. 
But we do have God-given liberty to voice the truth. And that's why anything that would try to censor the truth is trying to quench the spirit. Yes. And that is a sin against God. And the, the only real voice is the voice of God. I remember some years ago, someone gave a testimony but in a little, about a little boy saying that me thinking is God talking. And this, this is the only thing that's going on, and it's available to everyone all the time. Yes. Yeah, which means we have to distinguish between the voice of God and the voice of the devil. Right. That's why we have to we have to cultivate our spiritual sense. We have to trust it. Because that's the only way we can tell the difference. If we quench the spirit, we won't be able to tell the difference. That's a good point. I think I think it's also important to say, like, when we go out into the world, we got to not be weird or judgy or anything like that, because I know I encountered this in my past, too. I was really turned off by some people that professed to be Christians, and it wasn't Christianity I didn't like. It was just that weird sense. Thank so, you. I, that's very that's important. Good. You know, yeah. I mean, sometimes it's just too weird. And Christian scientists can be the weirdest of all if they're not careful with the yeah. quoting absolute statements or doing really stupid things that are common sense. Um, so, yes, we are not weird. Let your example be of a, a normal, natural, <laughs> God-loving person, but not weird. Thank you. Sometimes, I, I can't remember. Oh, sorry. Well, on that same line that we were talking about that something I can't remember where it was but they were talking about how we can be like a mirror we're so full of the light and the reflection from God that we even if we don't say anything we're like a mirror and to some they uh, one can see themselves in the mirror and not like it and so the reaction is you wonder why somebody doesn't uh, re react to you and why well, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm loving, but it's, it's, they're seeing something about themselves um, that has come up just because you are, your thought is, is pure and, and you're seeing God and, and in everything and everyone. And yet it, it's a repulsion to those who sometimes they just they just it comes up in their thought, which is the same thing that happened with the Pharisees and those around Jesus. And he didn't really have to say some anything sometimes. It was just his presence alone that made others feel uncomfortable. So I didn't know that. I mean, I learned that a long time ago, but I wondered why even church members sometimes would not treat me like I what I'm doing, I'm but so that was something that I had to learn, too, that doesn't necessarily mean you even have to say anything to have someone not feel comfortable around you. Yeah, well, and we should all experience that sort of thing, right? Mrs. Mrs. Eddy says that the, the, the impure are at peace with the impure. 
and that uh, Jesus' spirituality was a rebuke to mortal mind. That's a paraphrase. Yeah. And their disc they didn't understand their discomfort. Mrs. Eddy also explains that. They didn't understand their discomfort. So they attacked the messenger instead of looking inside to see what inside of them needed to be changed, to be purified. Well, that's a good transition, speaking of attacking. So our question number two, I think we'll move on to this. Uh, What are some observations and lessons we can make from when Jesus left Nazareth and then uh, when he spoke in the synagogue in Capernaum? And then I'll read here from Ephesians 6, uh, verse 16. Above all, take in the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. In the synagogue, he brought out a rage in some people. Thank you, Dan. What did they want to do? Throw him down the hill. Kill him. Thomas sent me a picture of that hill. It was pretty, pretty formidable hill. Pretty Pretty frightening when you look at it. (laughs) Very frightening. Yeah, there was a hill of no return there. Huh? Well, the reason they wanted to get rid of him was because he was preaching that that this truth and that that was available to everybody, not just the Jewish. They thought they, thought they were the scribes, the Pharisees, felt they were the chosen people. And because of that, any thought or, or mention that Jesus was speaking also included the Gentiles, which to them were, you know, they weren't the chosen people. That just, that they hated that. And that's, that's uh, one of the reasons why they just felt they had to get rid of them because what was that saying about them? And he said many lepers were in Israel in the time of Eliphaz, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed save Naaman, the Syrian. That infuriated them. Plus they knew him. Yeah. He was from there. Yeah. They thought they knew him. Well, yeah, they thought they knew him. <laughs> <laughs> he also said no prophet is accepted in his own country. So, yeah. Well, it's- Definitely quenching the spirit, isn't it? Just mm-hmm. shutting it up, trying every way it can to shut shut him up. Every way, every way. Finally, they killed him. But before that, they try every way, and that that's why you should take note when that sort of thing is going on, <laughs> because <laughs> there's usually a reason. There's every always way. a reason. Yeah. yeah, there's always a reason. Error just rises up in self righteous indignation to kill the mouthpiece of truth it's just again it's the nature of the beast mrs eddy says if era if mortal mind knew how to be better it would be better it just doesn't know it just just that's just how it is hello yes so what happened to jesus he, he went through the midst. He walked away. Yes, he yeah, did. He escaped. He escaped, as as will always happen. Those who are in that in the spirit. 
Was Uta trying to I say something? I think so. It's very quiet, though. Give it to... Uh... Yeah, I don't know how to get the speaker off. <laughs> so he escaped, and, and then he, he healed someone. Yeah, with the authority of Christ. Has <laughs> he done what God told him to do? So if you can imagine maintaining his God-given dominion, his poise through all of that opposition, which is really very aggressive. I can't imagine how aggressive it might have been. They wanted to kill him. Yet he, he kept it together, went down and healed somebody. Yes. Whoa. The poise. Okay, Uta, you're off uh, mute. Did you want to say something? Uh, this is Zary. Oh, this hi, Zary. Yeah, I was just going to say that it is oftentimes that when we are doing the work of God, you know, just going forward, we have to also continue to be protected. And we have to know that we are protected. And that's what I think Jesus did when he knew uh, when to leave and when to go. Because uh, many times this incensus human beings, they think they are the chosen people. And yet, uh, you know, if you remember the Pharisees and Sadducees, it wasn't about Jewish people, really, it, or, or Gentiles. They wanted be to get the money for healing, and they couldn't heal. They had the words, but they didn't have the spirit. Thank you very much. Yeah, and this idea of um, special people or Aryan race or whatever, however it comes is big flag of of the human mind again. It's a big no-no. Because God created us all equally, didn't he? He loves all of us yeah. equally. So thank you, Zeri. Who shall yes. be greatest. Yeah, yeah that's who, who shall be. be greatest and trying to very another sign of the human mind doesn't know how to be better. You're talking about mortal mind would be better if it could. Reminded me of uh, Gilbert Carpenter said that if Mrs. Eddy hadn't said that science and health was truth revealed, mortal mind would have loved it. So. Wow, thank you. Wow. Truth. Yeah. truth revealed, and that they attacked her for that. Thank you. But it's always an attack on the Christ, isn't it? I mean, it's an, it's an attack on the messenger who brings the Christ message, but it's an attack on the Christ. And that's why we that, that's why we can't succumb to those attacks. We can't excuse them. We can't tolerate them in our families or in our businesses or in our government. Because if we tolerate them anywhere, even to a small degree, we are quenching the spirit. And, and I know some of you are finding as you climb up this mountain of truth, the allegory, there will be, you know, people that you no longer have anything in common with or people who are uh, opposed to your progress. Yeah, adamantly opposed to what you're learning. And, you know, we, we do everything we can to keep the peace. But when we can't, you have to some, leave some of those people behind. And that's in the Bible, too. That's, that's the baggage that we have to leave behind. Yeah. And, and it's not people. It's not people. It's no. states and stages of thought. And you will help them more by, by keeping 
going up the hill than you will if you stop and uh, humanly try to help, which never works. So just like the story of Joseph where his family, you know, had to leave his family. They threw him in a pit, but he ended up um, helping them at the end, didn't he? And it was for a greater purpose and cause. And so you'll find that in your own life. You'll be there to help them at some point as you ascend that mountain. While if you had not and just stayed there with them, then you'd both sink. So it, it's just part of the the growing in, in this truth. Sometimes it seems like a more uncomfortable part, but actually, as those of you have tried, it's very, very uncomfortable <laughs> trying the to other way. the other way when you're trying to, yeah, make peace or get along with people who are vehemently opposing you and where you get to the point you have really nothing meaningful in common with them. Some of you know this. Martha Wilcox uh, puts in uh, the article or chapter Millennium uh, about free thought. And to me, this is like your, it's your right to have these thoughts, you know, and think with God. And the first uh, thing that caught my eyes, she wrote, Anything that threatens free thought is dangerous, and we should demonstrate its nothingness. And then she also has another part in there, right before that, that she writes, quote, To a Christian scientist, the millennium will be the state of his own consciousness. It will be his freedom to think without constraint from so-called mortal mind, for our thought is constrained just as long as the divine power is lacking. When we are free to think divinely without the constraint of mortal mind, then we are free to act divinely without constraint. Then we can walk over the waves, calm the storm, and feed the multitude if need be. End quote. Thank you. Yeah, I re recommended, I think it was last week, for people to read that chapter. Because as all this tumultuous stuff is happening, we as scientists should be praying to bring in that millennium, the reign of Christ. And it happens individually, of course, first to ourselves, and then it comes to others. But as we pray and, and work in this way, we can help usher it in. Because other people are trying to usher in something else. Uh, okay. The reign of false systems, materia medica, uh, all of this uh, constraints and rules, rules and com dictatorships, yes, dictatorships yeah. and uh, billionaire club, <laughs> all this money, rich people thinking they can rule. No, they can't rule. Only Christ rules. So we need to be very busy in this work because others certainly are in the other direction. Working day and night. Working day yes. and night, as Mrs. Eddy says in her 4th of July address. We must doff our lavender kid zeal and become consecrated warriors. And that's why we wake up at night and pray. And that's why you wake up at night, those of you who do, and many of you are. Right. Or you can't right. sleep. Yeah. Years ago, Mr. Evans uh, described what lavender kid meant. And it was actually very timid and weak. Mm -hmm. So we need to, even though the word zeal is attached to it, it's not a timid, weak zeal. It's active and strong. And remember where our strong com strength comes from. Not human willpower, 
not human uh, efforts, but from, from God. the Spirit itself. The Spirit itself is strength. Okay, Thomas. How are we doing, Tom? Uh, we're doing great. So uh, uh, I'm really enjoying this discussion. Uh, and I'm learning a lot, so I hope others are, too. Um, so going on to question three, um, what can we learn from this week's lesson and how to walk by faith, not by sight? You know, before we get on to that, I wanted to talk about that man in the synagogue. It always fascinated me how that man who was deranged spoke out to Christ and said, who are he was he was astounded and, and this I love this and this is from the Geneva Study Bible saying let us alone what have we to do with thee and then Christ astonishes not only men be they ever so stupid but even the demons as well whether or not they want it to be <laughs> that's great. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because how error, <laughs> error knows when the crisis is around. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why when, um, yeah, you, you react to someone who is in the Christ, that's the error in you reacting. Now, leave me alone. Don't, don't address my error. Yeah. Get away from me. And you'll, you'll feel it if it's in there. It's working. I don't want to hear you. Stay away. And if you feel it, look inside and ask God, purify my heart. Don't attack the messenger, because that's the that's the first <laughs> that's the first impulse is to attack the messenger. Well, the world teaches you to identify with that error, and as though that that is you. And if you lose it, what else are you? <laughs> right. So. Right. It's like you know, if your pride gets hurt, well. Good. <laughs> Get rid of your pride. <laughs> okay. Walk by faith, not by sight. Well, I have the Spurgeon Study Bible, and it in it it has a wonderful long commentary about this um, walk by faith and not by sight, but. Briefly, he says that walking is a position that signifies activity. As genuine Christians, we do not merely learn, we practice what we know. What we know. Also, it makes um, a person who walks makes some headway. True believers are always making advances. We are to be going from faith in its beginnings to faith in its perfections, waxing stronger and stronger. There is a progress to be made in every Christian grace. And then it says, um, um, walking by faith and walking by sight. We naturally walk by sight, but any child or fool can walk by sight. There is something exceedingly ignorant about believing only what can be seen. Even in common life, the eyes cannot see nine out of ten things that are the most wonderful. And this is most decidedly the case with regard to spiritual things. Um, 
walking by sight is just this. I believe in myself, whereas walking by faith is this. I believe in God. Thank you. That's great. That's very good. Yeah. That's a good sum up of it. Yeah. In the Gill commentary, it says, Faith is a grace which answers many useful purposes. It is the eye of the soul by which it looks to Christ for righteousness, peace, pardon, life, and salvation. The hand by which it receives him and the foot which goes to him and walks in him as he has received him. The single act of faith, but it continued, it's not a single act of faith, but a continued course of believing. And it is not weak, but strong and steady. And I read somewhere recently, too, that we, we are born with faith. It's something that we do have innately in us. But again, we quench it probably. We, oh, that can't be so, because that's not what my eyes are telling me. So well, we are educated. The schools educate us to quench that, don't they? So be aware of your faith. Be aware of your faith. Mrs. Eddie, what does she say? Why is it odd that we have more faith in evil than in good? More faith in sickness than in health? Why is that? Let's reverse that and have our faith in the things of God. And you get faith by exercising faith. And then by being grateful when you see things that you are faithful to come about and thank God for it. Because it, it will come about. It has to come about because God reigns supreme. So don't deny your faith. Let it grow within you. Let your faith grow and grow, as is just said. Not weak, but strong and steady as, as you live your faith every day. Don't be impressed with the material senses. However, they are raging, and they are raging right now. Well, there are a few th instructions in the lesson, aren't there? Citation 10, if spiritual sense always guided men, they would grow out of ecstatic moments, a higher experience, and a better life with more self-abnegation and purity. So let spiritual sense guide you. That's having faith in God. And it says to be with the Lord is to be in obedience to the law of God. Whatever you know of the law of God, obey it. I don't understand all the law of God. I probably never will, but what little I do. If I obey it, and your faith and your understanding increases by your obedience. And, and you know, when they ask Mrs. Eddy about how, how can I obey if I don't understand, she said, obey, obey before you understand it, and then you will understand. That's a paraphrase. but Yeah, and then, you know, it says become conscious for a single moment that life and intelligence are purely spiritual, neither in nor of matter. And your body will have no complaints. Boy, think of that. 
wouldn't that, well, if that's the result of becoming conscious for a single moment, imagine the grandeur of life if you were conscious all the time that life and intelligence are purely spiritual. That's a real jump. But what a great objective. Uh, the word walk reminded me of this from page 79 and uh, retrospection and introspection. She says, the signs for the wayfarer and divine science lie in meekness and unselfish motives and acts and shuffling off scholastic rhetoric and ridding the thought of effete doctrines and the purifications of the affections and desires. And I had looked up wayfarer and that just means someone who's walking by foot. So. Oh. <laughs> oh. Good. More, more proof that we rarely need to read anything else to understand science. She's, She's got yeah. it there, all exactly. there, yes. Exactly. And the verb walk here means to live your life. Yeah. Just a closer walk with thee. Mm -hmm. yeah. This would be Mr. Evans' favorite song. Mm -hmm. <laughs> good, good, one. good one to live by. Yeah. We should sing that sometime. Yeah, you should. You haven't yeah, we sung it in a while. I'm surprised you're not singing it now. Yeah. <laughs> in my heart, I'm singing it. In your heart, yes. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Thomas. Yes, yeah, thank, thank you, Thomas. Thank you. Well, I wanted to, I wanted to add, before we all drop off, if it's all right, like, <laughs> what I want to say on today's lesson for question number two is we may be running into opposition. We may have problems. And so in question two, we kind of see uh, what, what Jesus was faced with, a couple of examples. So I'm hoping that in today's Bible study, people got a lot of thoughts and ideas and tools as to what you do in those situations. So hopefully we've been helpful for people in that. And um, it's been helpful for me listening to what a lot of people had to say today. And I want to thank you for those contribution today and the preparation that people did for this Bible study. Well, thank Excellent. you, Tom. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.